Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? It is your host, Sky Guasco, back with you with another episode of the TCK Pod, a.k.a. the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Monday. I'm very happy to bring you into week two. Excellent, excellent first weekend of football and fantasy football. A lot of the stars showed out. Some of them did not. I'm rolling solo today on Monday, as I will be doing every week, breaking down ballers and stallers. If you're new to the program, I've been doing this a few years but we're going to be breaking down each position on the fantasy football tip. Ballers and stallers from the weekend. Ballers are those top performers. We'll do the top 12 at each position, and then we will do the stallers as well. So some of those guys that you expected to perform that did not, that you may have had in your lineup that did not perform. Hopefully you didn't have too many ballers on your bench, but it is week one, so you never really know. Quarterback position can be difficult because you have a lot of streamers, running backs. Of course, you have committees, wide receivers. You're looking at that second option and targets, tight ends. Are you going to have the younger guys breaking out? Or are you going to have old reliables? And of course, DSTs and kickers are kind of um, uh, a crapshoot, if you will, at the top. So we'll be breaking it down. Episode 261 coming in Monday. This is the Ballers and Sellers episode for week one recap. Let's kick it off right here with the quarterbacks. And we had Russell Wilson cooking absolutely up at the top here. Almost 32 fantasy points, 322 yards, and four touchdowns, just four incompletions. Russell Wilson had as many incompletions as he did touchdowns. Quite an incredible metric there. 31 for 35, 322, and four touchdowns for Russell Wilson. Next up, Aaron Rodgers throwing it back, about 31 fantasy points there, 364 and four touchdowns for himself as well. Josh Allen, a big day, over 300 yards for the first time in his career, two passing scores, 57 yards on the ground, and one rushing score as well. Lamar Jackson reigning MVP, 20 for 25, 275, three scores through the air, 45 more on the ground. Kyler Murray, big day against San Francisco. The Cardinals get a nice upset win there. 230 through the air. He also had a passing score, 91 rushing yards and a score on the ground. He actually at one point did have over 100 rushing yards, but after a couple of kneels, he actually got underneath there. So if you get bonus points, that might have been a little brutal. Cam Newton, first game as a Patriot, 155 through the air, so nothing quite impressive there. But on the ground, 15 carries, the most among quarterbacks. Most, second most, excuse me, rushing yards, 75 and two scores. So the most uh, carries and rushing touchdowns there for Cam Newton, turning back the clock as well. He looked really good in New England. Didn't have to do much through the air, but he was efficient, 15 for 19 in what he had to get done. Next up, maybe the biggest show of the week here, biggest surprise, Mitch Trubisky, 242 and three, another 26 on the ground. Basically, all of that came, for the most part, in the fourth quarter. He looked terrible through three quarters, but he pulled it in 
down the stretch, and uh, DeAndre Swift for the Lions dropped the game-winning touchdown, so the Bears get the win against the Lions. Next up, Matt Ryan, another late showing here. Didn't do much for most of the game, but he ends up with 450 yards, the most of any quarterback this week. Two scores late to Calvin Ridley, and uh, he did throw one pick, but the most passing yards on the week, 450 yards with two scores. Next up, Kirk Cousins. 259 and 234 on the ground. Nice little floor there. Kirk Cousins sitting around that, you know, top 10 this week, but kind of that 250 to 300 each week and two scores. You like to see that. Deshaun Watson Thursday night football against the Chiefs, 253 and one. He also had a rushing score on 27 yards as well. And then Garner Minshew pulls it out against the Colts, 173 on uh, through the air. Nothing impressive there, but three scores, one incompletion, 19 for 20 through the air, another 19 yards rushing as well. Those are your top 12 quarterbacks for the ballers. On the other side here, we'll go to the stallers, and you may have started these guys either in super flex leagues or single quarterback leagues. We'll start here with Phillip Rivers, under 15 points. Not a terrible day. He did have uh, 363, just one score, though, and two interceptions. Drew Brees, just 160 at home, 160 for Drew Brees and two scores there. Derek Carr, 239 and a touchdown. Carson Wentz, 270 and two touchdowns, and then two costly picks late to actually give the Washington football team the upset over the Philadelphia Eagles. Then we have Dwayne Haskins as well in the same game, 178 and just one score. Sam Darnold, 215 and one with a pick. Jared Goff, 275, no touchdowns and a pick. Baker Mayfield, Rough day against the Ravens, 189, a pick, and just one touchdown. And then Tyrod Taylor, who was a nice streaming option there, 208, no, uh, just seven yards rushing and no um, passing touchdowns there for Tyrod Taylor. All right, let's move on to the running back ballers up at the top. Josh Jacobs absolutely crushing this week. 25 carries, 93 yards, and three touchdowns, four receptions, 46 yards on six targets. Absolute beasting game here. 36 points for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Next up, Christian McCaffrey, 23 carries, 96 yards and two scores, three receptions, 38 yards on four targets. Zeke Elliott, 22 for 96 and one on the ground, and then three for 31 and one on uh, through the air. Naheem Hines, a surprising grab here we're going to go all we're going to go over some uh, waiver wire pickups as well at the end of this episode and Naheem Hines and Malcolm Brown will be on that list the next two backs here who finished four and five on the week very surprising here with Naheem Hines Marlon Mack unfortunately out with an Achilles injury so it's going to be Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor the rest of the way Malcolm Brown showed really well for the Rams as well so Hines day just 28 yards on the ground but he did have a score he also had eight catches on eight targets for 45 yards and a score through the air as well Malcolm Brown 18 carries 79 yards and two scores on the ground three receptions and 31 yards on four targets through the air Raheem Mostert getting it done for the Niners 15 carries 56 yards on the ground four catches 95 yards and a touchdown that touchdown an 81 yard scamper a great pickup block there by Jerick McKinnon as well Chris Carson just 21 yards on the ground very surprising there but he had six catches on six targets for 45 yards and two scores so Chris Carson gets it done with the two touchdowns but uh, basically just 66 total yards on 12 touches. So without those touchdowns, that could be a pretty measly game, but I think Chris Carson will be just fine. Alvin Kamara, 17 total touches, 66 total yards, 
and two scores. He could have had a third one there at the end of the game, but it was called back due to review. Dalvin Cook, 12 rushes, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. Just one reception for negative two yards. I think he'll be much more involved, just 13 total touches. Uh, the Packers pretty much blew this one away early, though, and uh, the Vikings had to go to the air. So I do think that Dalvin Cook will be just fine later. He did get two rushing scores, so you like to see that. David Johnson, Thursday night. Really looked good, actually, but he came out of the game just temporarily for a little bit of a hiccup, but he did look good overall. 11 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Three catches for 36 yards on four targets. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie out of Kansas City, great debut. 25 carries, 138, and a touchdown. No receptions on two targets. I think that'll pick up, obviously, but 20 to 25 touch floor, and with even more potentially if he's able to catch some balls. I mean, 30 touches for this guy would be absolutely insane in this offense. Aaron Jones rounds out the top 12, 16 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown, four receptions for 10 yards. Running back stallers. We'll start with my boy James White. Just James White this week. 22 yards on the ground. You don't expect much more than that, but just three receptions on three targets. Again, Cam Newton did not throw the ball much in New England. I do think that's going to change as he gets more comfortable. He just took over on the ground. I do think that is going to increase later on, but James White, not a factor, unfortunately, in week one with just eight fantasy points. Jamal Williams, you probably weren't playing, but just right behind James White with eight fantasy points as well. A big name that came up early Sunday morning was Boston Scott with Miles Sanders missing the game, but he definitely disappointed here. Nine carries, 35 yards, no scores, two receptions on two targets for just 19 yards. So kind of a bummer showing there. Tariq Cohen, another PPR back that may have been streamed as well for you zero RBers out there. Seven carries, 41 yards. Not terrible, but not great, but just two receptions. Again, our pass-catching backs were not getting it done through the air, unfortunately. Jordan Howard, just eight carries for seven yards. He did get a touchdown, but that's not going to get it done. Le'Veon Bell, of course, just six carries, 14 yards, two receptions on 32 yards and two targets. Came up untouched with a hamstring. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Frank Gore, as of right now, is going to get the start. The Jets have to figure something out, man. It's going to be going to be abysmal there in, in New York, unfortunately. Antonio Gibson, another popular start this week. Nine carries, 36 yards, two catches, and eight yards on two targets. Joe Main Mixon, 19 carries. Love that workload, but just 69 yards, no score. Just two targets and one reception for two yards. Then we had Nick Chubb, 10 carries, 60 yards, just one reception for six yards. So a lot of those big-time running backs letting down in week one. I do expect all of them pretty much to turn it around eventually, but unfortunately they did let you down probably in week one. Let's go to the wide receivers here. Really the talk of the league this week was Devontae Adams, absolutely beasting up against the Vikings this week, 41 fantasy points, 14 receptions, tied for a Packers franchise record, 14 receptions on 17 targets, 156 yards and two scores. He could have had one or two more scores if he and Aaron Rodgers were on the same page there. Absolutely humongous game for Devontae Adams, who I've had as my number one receiver coming into the year, and so far, so good. Next up, Calvin Ridley, huge game for all Atlanta receivers. They actually have three wide receivers in the top 12 this week. Unbelievable. We'll start at the top here. Calvin Ridley, nine receptions, 130 yards, and two touchdowns on 12 targets. Adam Thielen, number three, six catches, 110 yards on two scores as well. Eight targets for him, 31 points. I like to see that. Nuke Hopkins, incredible debut with the Cardinals beating up on the 49ers. 14 catches for 151 yards on 16 targets. Pretty much the same stat line as Devontae Adams. The difference, Nuke didn't score. So, unfortunately, he didn't get that down. But 
14 catches on 16 targets. We love to see that. Absolutely. Next up, Robbie Anderson. Wasn't sure what he was going to bring. A lot of big play threat, obviously, but you're pretty much reliant on the big base, on the big play threat. I will go into Robbie Anderson a little bit more at the end of the episode here when I break down some free agent grabs. He is definitely one of them. I like to see that. So if we can trust Teddy, it looks good. Six for 115 and a score on eight targets. Next up, Julio Jones, nine for 157. Pretty standard for Julio. Of course, he did not score a touchdown, but he did have 12 targets there. Jamison Crowder, seven catches, 150, or excuse me, 115 and a score as well. 69 yard touchdown for Jamison Crowder on 13 targets. Sammy Watkins, seven catches, 82 yards, one touchdown on nine targets on Thursday night. Russell Gage, the third Atlanta receiver, nine catches, 114 yards and 12 targets. So the Atlanta offense had three receivers with exactly 12 uh, targets. They had three receivers with exactly nine receptions and each one of them over 100 yards. Pretty incredible there for the Falcons. Next up, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. The Packers have two wide receivers in the top 12 as well. Four catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. And then DK Metcalf, four catches, 95 yards, and a nice, beautiful score there from Russell Wilson on eight targets. And Will Fuller, eight for 112 and no score on 10 targets. Big theme here of the top 12 wide receivers. They either had a touchdown and or targets. Right, New Hopkins didn't score, but he had 16 targets. Julio Jones didn't score, but he had 12 targets. Russell Gage did not score, but he had 12 targets. Will Fuller did not score, but he had 10 targets. So 17, 12, 8, 16, 8, 12, 13, 9, 12, 6, 8, and 10 are the target totals for your top 12 receivers in week one. That is going to be very important to follow. We cannot follow touchdowns necessarily. We can't follow yardage necessarily, but we can follow target and target share, which is very important for wide receivers. So again, I'm going to go over a couple of these guys in the waiver wire um, mentioned coming up at the end of the episode, but do pay attention moving forward to those target numbers. They matter more than anything else at the wide receiver position. Let's dive into some of the unfortunate stallers at the wide receiver position. We'll start up with Cooper Cup, just eight points, four catches on 40 yards for on five targets. A lot of people were concerned that Cooper Cup was going to fade a little bit in this offense as he did down the stretch. A lot of people were picking Robert Woods over Cooper Cup, which I was doing. I picked him in a couple of leagues. I was able to get Robert Woods. I did not draft Cooper Cup anywhere. I do have about five shares of Robert Woods, and that panned out pretty well, as well as uh, Robert Woods was over 100 yards this last week. Michael Gallup could have had a much bigger night, of course, if you watch Sunday Night Football with kind of a um, uh, probably a, uh, a, a fake um, uh, pass interference call on offense there to end the game. But nonetheless, it was called. He probably would have been closer to 80, 90 yards, maybe even a score. But he was not. Just three catches, 50 yards, and five targets there. Steven Sims Jr., probably a deeper play, but you may have played him in a deeper PPR leagues or dynasty leagues, three for 50 and three, um, three targets there. Keenan Allen. Got his targets, eight targets, but just four receptions on 37 yards. This is a big concern here with Tyrod Taylor. Did I do not have any shares of Keenan Allen, and this is uh, this is why. Um, I was worried about uh, not having the, the frequency. He did get eight targets, which isn't terrible, but I, I'm obviously the connection's not there if they're only connecting on 50% of those. Tyler Boyd, five targets and four completions for 33 yards. Joe Burrow actually had a nice game against the Chargers here. They actually should have won that game. Uh, Randy Bullock, the Bengals kicker, missed 
uh, at the end of regulation to tie the game to go to overtime. Um, but there's a good chance that the Bengals could have pulled it out in overtime potentially. But Joe Burrow came out a couple of days ago and basically before the season and said that he expects Tyler Boyd to have a big season. Obviously, you love to hear the quarterback say that about the receiver. Unfortunately, for Tyler Boyd, it was really A.J. Green. And I expect that to happen. As long as A.J. Green is healthy, which he looked really good on Sunday, actually. Um, he had a touchdown called back on an offensive pass interference. He had another one overthrown. If A.J. Green's healthy, he's going to be beasting. I like that a lot. But Tyler Boyd, I think, uh, again, almost a uh, wide, wide receiver handcuff, if you will. But if he can stay healthy, um, he can be just fine. Uh, but I am concerned that there's not enough mouths to go – or not, not enough balls to go around, I guess, in um, – in Cincinnati. A name I want to throw out here is Quintez Cephas. He's a slot receiver there for the uh, Detroit Lions. Now he had 10 targets, all right? He had just three catches for 43 yards. Um, obviously terrible, you know, 30% catch rate, but this was mainly because Kenny Galladay was out of the game. I like Quintez Cephas as a rookie. He's a nice dynasty stash. I actually have him in a league. However, I'm, I'm not in a hurry per se to, uh, to, you know, pick him up and play him um, on the usage. I just mentioned target the, the the target the targets, if you will. He has the most targets of the group I'm reading off right now. But again, I think a lot of that has to do with Kenny Galladay being out. So unless Kenny Galladay is out for a longer period of time, I would not worry about Quintus Cephas. However, he's a nice guy to uh, just kind of keep an eye on there in Detroit uh, if any of these other receivers go down. Mike Evans, one catch on four targets. He did have a touchdown. It was a two-yard reception his only catch of the game came at the very end of the game for a touchdown from Brady they were just not on the same page if you've been watching any NFL network or highlights or ESPN or whatever you'll see the skinny post route that that he and uh, Brady were off on and um, you can see Tom getting pretty hot on that so not looking good uh, for Mike Evans in week one we know he had a hamstring issue so hopefully he turns it around there if you can buy low on Mike Evans I would go do that right now I think he'll be just fine but uh, this is some of that non-preseason kinks we need to work out a little bit two more names here that you may have started Nikhil Harry six targets five receptions and 39 yards he actually looked really good I watched quite a bit of that um, New England Miami game and uh, Nikhil Harry actually looked quite good uh, but just six targets again. I don't expect Cam Newton to be throwing the ball more than 30 times any game, frankly, this year, and, and certainly not with any consistency. So it's going to have to be big plays. Um, but Nikhil Harry did look good, looked healthy, so someone to keep an eye on. And also Deshaun Jackson, who many people played, seven targets, just two receptions and 46 yards. Again, big play threat. If he can get loose like Robbie Anderson did, this is a totally different stat line, but he wasn't able to, so unfortunately that fell away. And probably the biggest name, and I'm bearing the lead too far, but he's so far down the list, I had to wait till the end. The biggest wide receiver staller on the week is my man, Odell Beckham Jr. Lucas is loving this one, loving this all the way to the bank. I haven't heard the end of it um, all weekend. Odell Beckham Jr., 10 targets, 10 targets, fantastic number, just three receptions on 22 yards. Quintez Cephas, had 10 targets and three receptions as well, but he had 21 more yards than Odell Beckham. Man, he and Baker were just not on the same page, unfortunately, and uh, this has got to get fixed quick. Last year was kind of a, you know, first year in the system, first year with Baker. He did okay, but not great. This is a terrible first week. This has got to get fixed in a hurry, um, or I'm even I am going to have to jump off of the Odell train here. So I'm going to give him another week or two to figure this out, but – I may not be starting him if I have better options there. So just 5.2 points for Odell Beckham. 
Let's move to the tight end ballers. Dallas Goddard up at the top, not Zach Ertz, but Dallas Goddard for the Philadelphia Eagles, 24 fantasy points, eight receptions on nine targets, 101. The only tight end to go over 100 yards on the week. He did have a touchdown as well. Looked very, very good. And I'm going to throw this out there a little early just in case so I can potentially call it. Uh, Blake Jarwin went down for the Cowboys on Sunday night, tore his ACL. Dalton Schultz did not look very good in his replacement. There's contract negotiations going on with Zach Ertz. I think there's a chance. There's a chance Zach Ertz and or Dallas Goddard could maybe float over to Dallas. Now, I don't know if that'll work. If you remember back to the draft a couple of years ago, the Eagles sniped Dallas Goddard out from underneath the Dallas Cowboys once Jason Witten left. So there might be some weird blood there. Also, this is a divisional rival. So a lot of times those teams don't like to do that kind of stuff. But one of these Eagles tight ends, who are both prolific starters in their own right, somebody is going to have to go to Dallas in that offense. And I could see it being Ertz with that contract. Uh, negotiations with Dallas Goddard playing really well in Philadelphia. So just keep an eye on that. That could potentially mix things up. But whether you have Zach Ertz or not at this point, go get Dallas Goddard. And again, I'm going to cover some of these guys for waiver pickups, and Dallas Goddard is one of them. Next up, Mark Andrews doing his thing. Five catches, 58 yards, and two scores on six targets. Travis Kelsey, six for 50 and one touchdown. Caught all of his targets. TJ Hawkinson caught all of his targets as well. Five for five, 56 yards and a touchdown. David Njoko did catch a score of 50 yards on his three targets, but unfortunately, once again, lands on IR. Things are a little different this year with the COVID situation. So IR is actually brought down to a minimum three games. So not necessarily every player that goes on IR is going to miss the entire season, but it's a minimum three games at least. So unfortunately, David Njoku was going to be missing out and he outpaced uh Austin Hooper anyway, um, with that rapport there, but Baker Mayfield, you know, he's got <laughs> clearly a lot of flaws in the NFL. However, one thing he's true to is a third of his touchdowns so far have been to the tight end position. And he increases that again here with David Njoku. Next up, Logan Thomas of the Washington football team four for 37 and a score on eight targets. I like that a lot. Eight targets at a tight end position is a fantastic number. OJ Howard looked really good as well. Four receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown on his six targets. Then we had Jared Cook, five for 80, no score, but seven targets there. Greg Olson, four for four, had 24 yards and a score there. And then Hunter Henry, five for 73 on eight targets. I like that. Jordan Akins and Jimmy Graham also caught touchdowns as well. Let's go into the stallers for the tight end position. Some of these guys were played like George Kittle, my man. Four catches on five targets for 44 yards, just nine points. He's got a lingering hamstring, and I think he's going to play through it. He's tough. He can block instead. He can be a decoy. I watched pretty much the whole second half of the 49er game, and he was basically not targeted at all. They were thrown to use check. They were thrown to all the backs out of the backfield. Um, Trent Taylor, they were thrown to everybody, and it was unfortunately just, I think, using him as a decoy because he wasn't able to make it happen. So we need to get this fixed quick for Kittle, but uh, unfortunately not working out here, just four for 44. Jack Doyle was also starting quite a bit of leagues here with Phillip Rivers now. Four targets, 30 receptions of 49 yards, no score. Chris Herndon may have been starting deeper leagues too. Six for seven, which I like, 37 yards but no touchdown. Tyler Higby, three for four and 40. This is what we were concerned about. We'll see what happens. But as long as Gerald Everett is in um, the lineup, Tyler Higby is not going to be the Tyler Higby that we want him to be. Hayden Hurst also. Big one here, five targets, three receptions of 38 yards. Could have been a much bigger game. We heard what the three um, 
Falcons wide receivers were able to do all had nine uh, receptions on 12 targets and over 100 yards, but Hayden Hurst not necessarily in the game plan with Gurley in there as well. Mike Kosicki could have been started too, and he was five targets, three receptions, and 30 yards. But you can hear kind of the baseline for a tight end, which is three or four receptions for 30 to 40 yards. Okay, that's pretty basic. The difference in fantasy football is that tight end touchdown, uh, which raises them obviously from about six, seven points to, you know, 12, 13, 14. So it's all about the touchdown there for the tight end. Let's get into the DST ballers and stallers and the kickers ballers and stallers, and then we'll move over to the waiver wire grabs for week two. DST ballers. We'll just do the top five and the bottom five for each of these here. We got the Saints with 17 points. Big, big day for the Saints against Brady here with a 34-23 win. And we had the Washington football team who was getting slammed 17-0. They come back with a few sacks. That defensive line, eight sacks on Carson Wentz, which is very, very impressive. And they also had a couple of turnovers. like to see that they actually get the W there. Ravens doing their thing. They were just fine against Cleveland, 38-6, wiped them out. Patriots, similar thing against Miami. We expect this from them as well, uh, 21-20 or 21-11 win, and then the Chargers, 16-13 to win over the Bengals. Common theme here with these teams, every one of the top defense uh, DSTs won the game. Some stallers that you may have streamed, the Texans versus Chiefs, I assume you didn't do that, but sometimes when there's a high, uh, high octane offense, sometimes you start that defense because there's more opportunity for interceptions and sacks and whatnot. I hope you didn't start the Texans, but nonetheless, all of these DSTs had negative fantasy points. Raiders, negative one against the Panthers. The Panthers, negative two against the Raiders. Falcons, negative one against Seattle. And the Vikings, negative nine fantasy points. No turnovers, no sacks. Negative nine fantasy points against the Green Bay Packers. Let's find the kickers here. Could have helped out a little bit. Mason Crosby, Josh Lambeau, Joey Sly, and Daniel Carlson of the Raiders all had 12 fantasy points. Matt Prater had 11. Then you had Butker, Lutz, Gold, and Mike Badgley, who all had 10 on the seller category that you may have played. Zane Gonzalez, Sam Ficken of the Jets, Greg Zerline, Jake Elliott, Dan Bailey, Ryan Suckup, Graham Gano, Jason Sanders, Nick Folk, and Kaimi Fairbairn all had less than 10 fantasy points there for your kickers. All right, those are the ballers and the stallers for week one. So again, every Monday, I will be breaking down solo the ballers and the stallers from each position just to give you an idea. It's not a full weekend route uh, recap, but it is just an idea of who was at the top of your fantasy roster and maybe other fantasy rosters and then who underperformed. And that kind of leads us into some trade talk throughout the rest of the season uh, once we get going here further down the way. Now I'd like to take a quick break and you know, appreciate you for listening in. Welcome you into week two. If you're new to the program, again, my name is Sky. I'm the host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Tomorrow you will hear Lucas Kaser and Dwayne Lynn, a.k.a. Dewey's Nuts on Twitter. They will be breaking down the stat rat, deep dive into some statistics for you that they do every single Tuesday. And then on Wednesdays and Thursdays, it'll be Lucas and myself. And then on Fridays, Chris Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast and maybe some of their other crew on occasion will jump in to recap the week prior TCK Listener Leagues and then preview uh, the week coming up for the TCK Pod Listener League. So stay tuned all week. We have five podcasts for you every single day of the week. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And you can also go find our draft guide still mid season draft guide and one-on-one coaching from us right at uh, tckpod.com and all of our rankings are there as well. All right, let's jump into some waiver wire claims for week two. I've got five at each position. I'm going to roll through them as quick as I can. I do have a little bit of a write-up, so I'm just going to straight up read up some notes here real quick, and then you can make the decision of who you can pick up if you're able to. Now, quarterback position, of course, um, excuse me, I have four per position. I apologize. Four, not five. So quarterback position, of course, most of these guys were probably drafted. Well, they were definitely drafted in super flex leagues. They might even be drafted as a second quarterback in a single quarterback league. But if they're on the waiver wire for some reason or they weren't streamed, and as I go through the season and do this, you're going to hear some names and be like, there's no way Aaron Rodgers is on your waiver wire. I understand that. Maybe not. I play in a league where he's on the waiver wire and was not drafted. So I know that he's at least in one, therefore I put him on this list. So I want to make sure that people are just kind of paying attention to who's on the waiver wire, who has the, the, the upcoming matchups as well and how they did and how their opponents are doing. So stay tuned for the waiver wire ads each week on Mondays here with the ballers and stallers. All right, quarterback position. We'll start with Aaron Rodgers. Again, last year, 31, or last week, 31 fantasy points. Next opponent coming up, Detroit. Aaron Rodgers equaled his previous two meetings versus the Minnesota Vikings in one game on Sunday. He now gets the Seattle Seahawks, who just surrendered 450 passing yards to Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. And that was the most passing yards given up over the course of this past weekend. So Aaron Rodgers, who just torched the Minnesota Vikings for 364 yards and four touchdowns, could do it again, potentially against the Detroit Lions, who Mitch Trubisky just tore up for three touchdowns as well. So go pick up Aaron Rodgers and feel comfortable with him firing him up again this week. Next up, Cam Newton. Again, just 155 through the air, but he did have 75 on the ground and two scores. Cam Newton was vintage on Sunday and on the ground at least. Not so much through the air, but on the ground, he looked great. He led all quarterbacks in rushing attempts with 15 and rushing touchdowns with two. Newton had the least amount of passing yards among qualifying quarterbacks with only 50, 155, but in a four-point touchdown format for quarterbacks, Newton is a free weapon, and he can be used in almost all leagues. So again, if you're in a four-point quarterback passing touchdown league, Cam Newton is a great, great uh, addition there. I would personally wait on grabbing Cam Newton in a six-point for passing touchdown league just to see if he can actually do it. But New England did look really good, and Cam Newton looked good. And I think once he settles in with his offense, he gets Nikhil Harry running. They find a third option there. They get the running backs moving. They get a balanced offense. I think Cam Newton will be just fine. So four-point QB league, I would grab him. Six-point, I might wait just a little bit. But I do like him going up against Seattle, who, again, we just mentioned, just got torched by Matt Ryan for 450 yards. Next up, we got Mitch Trubisky here, 242 yards and three scores, pretty much all in one quarter here. Now, he missed a few throws early, but he did finish with three passing scores and gets a shaky Giants secondary next week in the homeowner in Chicago with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen unable to break through as a really true kind of power running duo. I do expect the Bears to have to ride Trubisky's arms and legs, as scary as that might be. So, You could pick up Mitch. I know it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to love it, but he's going to have up and down weeks. He does get the Giants, and uh, we've seen Big Ben do pretty well on Monday Night Football here. So I do think that uh, Mitch Trubisky could have an opportunity to um, do well and uh, be an adequate fantasy starter for you. Last quarterback here to add, Garner Minshew. Again, 
21 fantasy points, but 19 for 20, 173 and three touchdowns. He is at Tennessee. Kind of a rough week to get Garner Minshew now. I don't like him on the road versus Tennessee, but I do want to pick him up before the rest of my league mates does. He's got enough rapport and he's got enough allure that I think that people probably already have them on our team. But if he doesn't in a single QB league, I want to pick him up maybe a week early so I can stash him because I do think he's a viable asset for um, fantasy teams. He also had 19 rushing yards as well. Garner Minshew derailed the quote-unquote lose for Lawrence campaign that quickly sweeping through uh, Jacksonville with an impressive three touchdown performance against the Colts defense in week two he gets another fearsome divisional foe on the road but he's a solid QB2 in Superflex league so again Superflex I'd be down with it single QB I'm going to wait we all know the Jacksonville Jaguars will play the garbage time upside any given week and that has tremendous value in fantasy football so I do like Garner Minshew there let's get into the running backs here Naheem Hines, again, two scores. He was really the kind of the lead back. And now that we have Marlon Mack out uh, with a torn Achilles, um, it's going to be Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. So Naheem Hines is probably deep on your bench or free on your waivers. So go get him while you still can. He had the fourth most fantasy points among running backs and was undrafted in nearly all formats. He scored the first two Indianapolis Colts touchdowns and is now expected for a bigger role with Marlon Mack starting to miss with that Achilles injury. So Hines and rookie Jonathan Taylor will make for a, a mean fighting machine here behind Phillip Rivers and the Colts. So keep in mind, there's extra value in PPR leagues with Naheem Hines. So if you're in PPR, I do like that floor there, kind of a James White, if you will. Then we have Malcolm Brown, who I mentioned earlier. These guys were four and five here when the fantasy points, uh, two scores from Malcolm Brown as well. Uh, the veteran got the start for the Rams and led the three-headed backfield in all major categories across the board. Sean McVay was true to his word using all three backs. But for now, it looks like Brown is the lead guy. Um, he was fifth in fantasy points among uh, running backs on Sunday, which is certainly not expected. Uh, looking ahead, Brown and company will get the Philadelphia Eagles, who somehow gave up a 17 to nothing lead to the Washington franchise with two rushing scores. And... Basically, Peyton Barber uh, was was the one getting it done there. So I think that, you know, Malcolm Brown in this offense could be much better than the Washington football squad against Philadelphia. Now it is on the road. We know that Goff and the Rams are generally a little bit not, not worse per se, but not as effective. However, I do like them and their chances next week. So Brown should get another decent floor and relative upside here as uh, Darrell Henderson is not 100% healthy and rookie cam makers still having to earn his stripes. Next up, we got AP. Adrian Peterson in Detroit, nice debut for him, 14 carries, 93 yards, and he did have three catches for 21 yards as well at Green Bay. So the future Hall of Famer turned back the clock once again and made a great debut there. The veteran backfield, um, he led with total touches and yards. DeAndre Swift got the lone touchdown, but Peterson basically won't be the main guy for too long, but as he is in there with on Johnson, not able to take the full workload and Swift, obviously not able to either. I do think that uh, it's going to be Peterson who's going to get the bulk of the touches at least. So this week he draws the Green Bay Packers who gave up 130 rushing yards and three rushing scores to Dalvin Cook and uh, Alexander Madison last week. So I do think that uh, Peterson is a nice grab. Now, again, this is more of a non-PPR format, but you know, half PPR I think would be okay too. Um, you're not going to feel good about starting Adrian Peterson, but if you have any injuries or you're having a lackluster performance for running back, I think you could do worse in non-PPR. Last up for the running backs, we have John Kelly of the Los Angeles Chargers. So last week, 12 
rushes for 61, or excuse me, 60 rushing yards and one touchdown. Um, this is something that I was expecting. I just didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Now on paper, Joshua Kelly was outpaced by Austin Eckler in touches and yards, but he did get the lone touchdown there for the Chargers, and he handled a lot of late goal line touches when the game was on the line, which I think speaks volumes for his ability and trust in the coaches. So if Kelly is truly taken over that quote-unquote Melvin Gordon role, then there's certainly plenty of room for the two backs to be RB2 at least upside in this offense with Austin Eckler and uh, Joshua Kelly. So looking ahead, we can definitely look at Thursday night here. David Johnson had 100-plus yards and a touchdown on just 14 touches versus Kansas City. I do think that uh, Joshua Kelly and um, Austin Eckler could potentially do that as well. So he's kind of the bruiser. He's going to snipe some touchdowns. And I do think, again, he could be an option, and he should be that handcuff. He showed already that he is the true handcuff and the backup to Austin Eckler once again, it's not Justin Jackson. I like Justin Jackson a lot, but he is not the guy, and the coaches don't want him to be the guy unless they have to, clearly. So Joshua, uh, Joshua Kelly is definitely that guy. So if he's available on your waivers, I would go scoop him immediately. Let's get into some wide receivers here. Robbie Anderson, again, 25 and a half fantasy points, six receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. He gets the Buccaneers next. He had the fifth most fantasy points among wide receivers but accounted for most of that on a 75-yard score. Now, again, I don't expect Teddy Bridgewater be, to be throwing bombs here. That's not his uh, style. But if they're able to work him open in this uh, new high-powered offense, and they obviously have to account for Christian McCaffrey, I do think there's going to be some big games out of Robbie Anderson. So, again, he's going to have a couple games where he has three for 30, and it's going to kill you. But he's also going to have a few with, you know, five for 150 and two. So, a little bit of a, you know, boom, well, a lot of it of boom bust, um, but a little bit of uncertainty with Robbie Anderson, but I do like it if you're able to take that risk as your wide receiver three or a flex who could win you a week with one catch. Next up, Jamison Crowder last week, 24 fantasy points, seven receptions, 115 yards and a touchdown. He gets San Francisco last uh, next week, which should be a terrible matchup, but we – saw the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins absolutely annihilate the San Francisco 49ers last week. I'm not saying that Crowder is Hopkins by any means, but you know, if he's able to get those 13 targets, um, he could be just fine. So again, eight, you know, eight catches for 80 yards even and no score would be a nice little floor that I think Crowder could give you weekly. And he did break free for a 69 yard touchdown. So we can see what happens. Also last year on week one, he did have 17 targets so they will hyper target him and with Le'Veon Bell missing time here with the Jets I do think that Jamison Crowder is going to be a focal point of this offense next up Sammy Watkins you know he would be on here I don't feel good about this but I have to put him in here the reality is Sammy Watkins 22 fantasy points seven catches 82 yards in the score next up comes the Chargers look AJ Green was open the entire game and if Burrow and Green had consistency in this, you know, we're on the same page. AJ Green would have had a huge stat line. I already mentioned he had two scores not accounted for, for offensive pass interference and um, an overthrow, but Mahomes isn't going to miss. And Watkins has been absolutely on fire his last four games, five games, if you date back to uh, last season and the postseason. So I like it a lot. Now last year, of course, we know he had a humongous game in week one as well. Um, with 100, you know, nine catches, 138 yards, and three touchdowns versus Jacksonville. But he followed it up again, seven for 82 and one. And I know he kind of disappeared last year, but you can't, you can't fade the talent. And he's got arguably the best quarterback in the league in this offense. Behind Tyreek Hill, it's got to be Watkins, not Nicole Hardman right now. Now it could be anybody. Um, 
Demarcus Robinson in this offense is the fourth receiver, probably the sixth option between behind all the receivers, Kelsey and CEH. He actually dropped two touchdowns in this game. So maybe it wouldn't have been Hopkins at all, or excuse me, uh, Watkins, but uh, you can't, you can't look away too long here with this talent. So look, I'm not saying to start Sammy Watkins every week. You're going to get burned eventually. I get it, but I do think it's worth stashing him on your bench. Next up, let's go to Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Last week, 20 fantasy points, four catches, 96 yards, and a score. Next up, he gets the Lions. The entire fantasy community thought it was going to be Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers, but it's MVS, right? Assuming that Lazard was most likely drafted in your league. I wanted to keep a mention here to MVS, who was actually more productive this week and caught a really nice 45-yard touchdown from Rodgers. So we know that he wants to keep that rapport. He's got it from last year. MVS was a bit banged up, so he's got two years of rapport there. Now he faces the Lions, who no longer have Darius Slay, right? He's in Philadelphia. So it's looking really nice for Rodgers, Tay Adams, Marcus Valdez-Scantling and probably Lazard. I might start, you know, both of these guys uh, as the uh, twos and threes in this offense. So I do think um, that they're going to be able to make it happen here. So I do like Marcus Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard, but I assume Alan Lazard was probably drafted in your league. So go look on your waivers ahead of time for MBS. Diving into four tight ends that we're going to get out of here. Dallas Goddard up at the top. No surprise here. 24 fantasy points, eight catches, 101 through the air and a touchdown gets the Rams coming up, man, this is what we've kind of been waiting for. So now Dallas Goddard um, shouldn't, uh, and I'm not saying he will replace uh, Zach Hertz. However, I said earlier in the episode, I would not be shocked if they move one of these guys to Dallas or somebody somewhere else and open up a full workload for one of them without kind of the other one vulturing touches. Um, although with them having no receivers in Philadelphia and Miles Sanders hurt, they don't really have any business doing that move. But if they did, one of these guys or both of these guys would probably be top three, uh, top five on their respective teams. So we'll see what happens. But Dallas Goddard last year as the backup tight end in Philadelphia was already the tight end 10. He, a lot of people have predicted that he is going to jump Zacherts this year. Anyway, he obviously is off to a screaming uh, start here. So I do think he should be rostered in every league, every Dallas Goddard, uh, or excuse me, every Zach Ertz owner that's been listening to this podcast already has Dallas Goddard. So we've been telling you that you have to get Goddard if you have Ertz, but not everybody has him in every league. So I do recommend that everybody goes out and gets uh, Dallas Goddard, whether you have Ertz or not. And go get him right now while you still can, because if he has another game like next uh, last week, he's going to be owned 100% because you just can't find streaming tight ends all the time who are consistent. Next up, we have Logan Thomas of the Washington franchise here. Four catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Next up comes Arizona. Now, Arizona last year was dead last in coverage against tight ends. We know that George Kittle would have chewed them up if he was totally healthy, but he was not. I want to give a shout-out really quick to my man, Bobby LaMarco, who was on the podcast just last week. And it's uh, a.k.a. the Fantasy Football X Factor. Go check him out on Instagram and Twitter. Again, Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram. Go check him out. He was on the pod last week. We were breaking things down. And he actually mentioned in the tight end episode that he liked Logan Thomas. And we talked about it a little bit. And I just said, look, I wasn't even considering him. Well, Logan Thomas, 14 fantasy points is your tight end. Excellent. Gets the Cardinals. Um, I do think that, you know, bringing in Simmons is huge. Uh, but, you know, they still have quite a bit of flaws. and 
um, this Washington team actually looked quite good in the second half against the Eagles. So if they're going to get Thomas his eight targets and he's going to be the focal point of that passing offense behind uh, Terry McLaurin, I like it a lot. So just keep an eye on Logan Thomas there. O.J. Howard of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 14 fantasy points, four catches, 36 yards in the touchdown. Now he outpaced Tampa Bay's other tight ends and targets, receptions, yards, and had the loading touchdown. He's far and away the most talented on the roster, as we know, at the tight end position. Gronkowski will get a couple Gronk spikes eventually, but Howard really is the guy that can do what Gronk did 10 years ago. So if Mike Evans continues to have mismatch issues and communication problems with Brady, he can start looking at O.J. Howard, who I know that Bruce Arians is coming around on and Brady's really enjoyed and Gronkowski has really uh, done a great job mentoring. So if O.J. Howard can dust off the rust of the last couple seasons and get back to where he was when everybody, including me, was drafting him in the fifth round last year and got burned, if he can get back to that upside, man, look out. Because he and Dallas Goddard, I think, could be humongous. They, those guys could be the Darren Waller and the Aaron or the um, uh, Mark Andrews of last year. So go look at uh, O.J. Howard and, and keep him a stash on your, on your bench as well. Last but not least, old man Greg Olson. 13 fantasy points, four catches, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Next up, he gets New England. Now, basically, this is kind of a respectful uh, like nod to the OG here, Greg, or G-O, if you will. Greg Olson is basically five years past his prime, but he did catch a touchdown, and when Russell Wilson is cooking, as he was on Sunday, he likes to target the tight ends here. So I do like Olson over the other tight ends. Obviously, he's not going to have a huge target share. He's not going to have a lot of yards or receptions, but – I do think he has legitimately a chance to catch a touchdown each week because of the way this offense runs. And when a defense is planning for this attack, they're looking to stop Chris Carson, corral uh, Russell Wilson somehow, and lock down Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Olsen is basically free to run, uh, run um, as he must uh, over, the, over the middle of the field. So I do think that the Patriots, right, they're a machine on defense, but their focal point is going to be these receivers and the run game. And I think that Olsen is kind of the odd man out here. And Russell Wilson is obviously going to find that eventually. And they find a seam here. I mean, even if, again, Olsen is just able to get five for 50 in a score, that's going to be a top 10 performance on the week for the tight end position. So, again, a couple waiver wire ads to grab here. It is Monday, so you have plenty of time. Go look for Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, Garner Minshew, Naheem Hines, Malcolm Brown, Adrian Peterson, Joshua Kelly, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Sammy Watkins, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Dallas Goddard, Logan Thomas, O.J. Howard, or Greg Olson. That's going to wrap it up for this episode here of the Ballers and Stallers and the Week 2 Waiver Wire Grabs. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We're going to have Dwayne and Lucas coming in with the Stat Rat episode, and then we'll be with you the rest of the week. Hope you're doing a great um, job diving into the analytics of this weekend and, and tune in the podcast all week long here. Again, we have five episodes for you all season long going to be a lot of work here we appreciate your support make sure you go find us on instagram fantasy football underscore tck pod and on twitter at tck underscore pod you can find all of our rankings and our articles at tckpod.com and please leave a rate and review whenever you listen to the podcast i know every podcast says that and it's true it does really help us it helps the algorithm of other people searching for fantasy football podcast it helps them find us it also gives us some feedback and lets us know how the people are feeling so leave an honest review please we'd much appreciate it 
All you got to do, it literally takes 30 seconds to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you're listening, Apple Music. Please just leave a rate and review. We would much, much appreciate it. Follow us on social media and tell your friends. Until next time, family, best of luck. Hope you had a great first weekend of football. It is back. We'll have a great time this week as well as we run into week two. For Lucas Kaser and the rest of our team here at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.